Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. I want to talk a little bit about the minimum wage. Again, you have this populist sentiment that's been sweeping the nation. A lot of people, unfortunately, buy into this Keynesian myth of uh, mandating uh, prosperity through legislation. We all know that workers' wages are determined not by politicians, but by their productivity. But, of course, uh, the temptation of something for nothing uh, is very appealing to voters, and so politicians are certainly uh, looking to make these type of empty promises. It makes very good politics, but bad economics. A recent example of this, I read about this last week, and a company based in Seattle called Gravity Payments. Uh, the CEO of this company is a young guy, started, him, started the company himself, uh, has announced that he's going to have a minimum salary not a minimum wage for you know low-level workers, but a minimum salary for his salaried employees. And the minimum is going to be $70,000 a year. Now, of course, this is a great story. The liberal media is eating this thing up. Hey, here's an example of a good guy is going to pay his workers $70,000 a year. You know, why doesn't everybody do that? Well, I'm going to look a little bit at this uh, situation because it's not a big company. He's got about 120 employees. And, of course, a lot of people in his company make a lot more than $70,000 a year. And so they're not going to be affected. But there are a number of people, I forget the exact number, maybe 50 or 60 that are paid below $70,000. And, of course, some are just paid a little bit below. Some might make 65000 But I think a significant number, whether it was 20 or 30, uh, you know, would see their pay double. There maybe they're only making thirty five thousand a year, and so under this new plan, they would be making seventy thousand dollars a year. Now, to me, this is all a gimmick, right? I mean, in fact, the CEO has already admitted in the articles I've read that he's got a lot of new business. That all this publicity surrounding this seventy thousand dollar minimum salary has resulted in a lot of customers for his company. And so in that respect, the extra money that he's paying to his workers is simply the money that he would have spent on advertising. But instead of spending it on advertising, he's getting his advertising for free by promising to pay his workers more. And it may very well work for this guy because he's a novelty. I mean, this could be a PR uh, gimmick of uh, brilliance. You know, this could be, you know, if you think, remember when they launched uh, New Coke, and uh, then they ended up with two brands. I mean, maybe they stumbled into that. Maybe it was a real blunder and they found a way to salvage it. Or maybe the guy was crazy like a fox uh, for coming up with the strategy. So if you look at this, uh, the CEO is uh, maybe going to have a windfall because he got a lot of free publicity that may have cost a lot more than the extra wages that he has to pay to his employees. But long term, 
right? Obviously, this is going to wear off, right? The novelty of this approach is going to wear off. The free publicity is going to come to an end. And of course, obviously, a lot of other current companies are not going to be able to uh, do the same thing because the water will be out of that well. I mean, if a bunch more companies start making the same announcement, uh, they're not going to get the same PR splash as the guy who did it first. But let's think about what's going to happen to this company over time, because now it's basically going to pay everybody $70,000 a year, including people who are currently working for thirty-five, dollars $40,000 a year. Now, what is this really going to mean to this company? Well, number one, my guess is that if he's going to stick to the $70,000 a year minimum, over time, uh, the company is going to try to eliminate a lot of people who are currently paid under $35,000 a year. So they're not actually going to get a big raise. They're ultimately going to get a pink slip when the dust settles. I mean, maybe one of the people who works for less than 70000 maybe they have an actual receptionist who's getting paid uh, $35,000 a year to answer the phones. And maybe they figure that it's worth it to their customers to have a real human being answering the phone and it's worth paying $35,000 for that individual. But they might find over time that it's not worth $70,000. So if they're going to pay the receptionist $70,000, they may decide, you know, let's just get a voicemail system and we'll fire the receptionist. So they'll still be paying all their workers $70,000 a year. It's just that the receptionist who used to get $35,000 a year will get zero because she will have been fired. So I think it's going to be difficult for the company to maintain the current headcount if they're going to maintain this commitment to $70,000 a year. But also, I would bet that the composition of their workforce is going to change. I mean, let's say you're out to hire somebody and your maximum budget for a particular job is, let's say, $40,000 a year, and you're going to get a bunch of applicants. But there are going to be a lot of people who won't consider a job for $40,000 a year because they can earn fifty or 60000 a year someplace else. So they're not going to interview for a job that only pays 40000 a year. So the employer, uh, when he chooses among all of his applicants, right, he has a smaller sample because he's only paying 40000 But if he's now going to advertise $70,000 a year, he's going to get inundated with a lot of applications for the job that he wasn't getting when he was advertising $40,000 a year. So now that he's going to pay $70,000 a year, and a lot of people want that job. They didn't want it for $40,000, but they want it for $70,000. The person who currently has the job at $40,000 a year, who got it because they were able to outcompete all the other applicants who were willing to work for $40,000 a year, when all of a sudden they've got to compete with people who now you know didn't want it before, but who want it now because it's paying seventy thousand? The chances that the person who got the job at forty thousand is going to be able to keep it when now they're paying seventy thousand because now you know you're going to have a whole new level of applicant. And so what's going to happen is maybe the employer will be able to get a higher caliber worker. Now maybe he's paying for a higher level of worker than is actually necessary for the job. But if he's going to pay $70,000 anyway, you might as well hire the best $70,000 employee you can. And in fact, maybe that $70,000 employee will be efficient enough uh, when they fire the $40,000 guy, or maybe they hire two $70,000 guys, and maybe they can lay off three $40,000 guys. So the bottom line is everybody wants to talk about how generous this guy is because he made this announcement. Well, let's just wait and see after a year or two how many people 
who were working and earning less than $70,000 a year still have their jobs at this company. Because I bet that they'll have fewer workers and the workers that they still have will be different. Yes, the people that were making eighty, dollars 100000 a year, they won't change. But the people who supposedly were going to get a raise, a lot of them may in fact end up getting pink slips. Now let's move on from the sublime to the ridiculous uh, when it comes to minimum wage. And I got to talk about the most recent gimmick here in the state of Connecticut. Now this one really, really takes the cake, you know, talking about biting the hand that feeds you. The question is, will that uh, bitten hand figure out uh, who bit it? What's going on in the Connecticut state legislature? And this is controlled by the Democrats. And we have a high minimum wage here in the state of Connecticut. It's $9.15, one of the highest in the nation. In any event, these geniuses in Hartford have come up with a new law. They haven't passed it yet, but it's probably going to pass. Although I just wrote an editorial that I sent out to the Hartford Current. Let's see if they run it. Maybe my editorial uh, will stop this, this, this law. But here's what these guys want to do. They've proposed a new law that would fine any employer who pays its worker under $15 an hour, $1 an hour fine. And it's not any employer. You have to employ 500 or more people. Right? So it doesn't apply to smaller employers, but it applies to companies that em- employ 500 or more workers, which, number one, is a powerful incentive not to hire more than 500 people or 500 people, where if you have 502, 503 people, you're going to lay off a few people to get out from under the law's requirement. It is always very foolish when they impose requirements based on a number of employees because businesses can always fire people to get out from under the requirements of the law. But for larger companies, the law will be if you have a worker and he's paid less than $15 an hour, you're going to get a fine of $1 an hour per worker. Now, the way this is being marketed is the companies are going to force, or the government, rather, is going to force businesses to pay higher wages through the imposition of this fine. But, of course, this is complete nonsense. That is not how it's going to work. In reality, this is just a tax increase masqueraded as a minimum wage bill because minimum wage increases are popular and tax increases are not. And this is really a money grab coming out of Hartford. But what really is the biggest problem is it's a tax hike on the people who can least afford it, the working poor, the people about whom the Democrats are supposedly a championing. These are the people that they supposedly care so much about and they're trying to knife them in the back with a hidden tax hike. Here, let me go over this, the, the details here. So let they pass this law, right? All right, well, let's see how it affects different people. Because there's really three classes, right, when it comes to this law. There's the people who are currently working at the minimum wage. They're getting paid $9.15. Then you got a group of people who earn more than the minimum wage, but who earn less than $15. And then you got everybody else, the people who make more than 15 So let's start with the minimum wage worker. What is this law going to do for him? Right. So here I'm an employer and I got minimum wage workers that I'm paying nine dollars and 15 cents. And the government says, well, if you don't pay them fifteen dollars, you're going to pay a dollar fine. Well, the math is pretty simple. Right. Even a politician should be able to figure it out. A one dollar fine is a lot cheaper for me to pay than a five dollar and eighty five cent an hour raise. 
right? So am I going to give my minimum wage worker a $5.85 an hour wage uh, increase, a pay increase to avoid a $1 fine? Of course not. I'm just going to pay the $1 fine to the extent that I don't decide to fire this guy. So from the perspective of the minimum wage worker, the law is going to act very much like a minimum wage increase for the employer in that if the employer chooses not to fire the worker, he must pay the worker the new uh, higher, higher mandate. But here's the key difference. When you raise the minimum wage and if, the employer does, if your employer doesn't fire you, you get the extra money. There is a windfall. Right. That comes at the expense of those people who are fired when the boss decides that for this individual, the economics no longer work. Yeah, the job is no longer viable at the higher minimum. So I fire some people. Right. Or some people never get a chance to get a job. But there are some people who do benefit. They end up getting paid more than the, the fair market value for their labor because of the law. Right. And then that gets paid by the consumer who ends up paying higher prices for the goods or services. But this case is a different situation because I have to send the extra dollar to the government. It doesn't go to the worker like a minimum wage hike would go. It goes to the government. So the worker doesn't benefit at all. So from the perspective of the minimum wage worker, one or two things could happen to him. He could get fired, in which case he's lost 100% of his income. He's had his wages reduced to zero or he doesn't get fired, and uh, the government gets more money in taxes, right? It doesn't benefit the worker. And, of course, since wage costs went up, prices are going to go up in Connecticut. The worker's wages didn't go up, but the cost of living went up, so his real wages uh, end up being diminished, right? So that, that's the minimum wage guy. But think about this. What about the people that earn somewhere in between the minimum wage and $15? Let's say a guy is making $11 an hour. Right? What's going to happen to this guy? Well, obviously, a raise to $15 an hour would cost an employer 4 bucks. Again, 4 bucks is a lot more expensive than $1. The fine for not paying $15 an hour is $1 an hour. Right? So why would I pay my worker $4 an hour more when I can avoid that by paying the government $1 an hour? So that's what's going to happen. Again, the government's going to get more money. But here's the difference. See, the $11 worker is not protected by the minimum wage. I can reduce his wages to compensate for the increased cost of hiring him. You see, if I'm paying him $11 an hour right now, that must be the fair market value for his labor because I'm paying him above the minimum wage. I mean, if I can continue to employ him at the minimum wage, I would. But I can't because he has too much value and I gotta, I've got competition from other employers. And so I got to pay what the market bears. In this case, the market is $11. But if the government tells me I got to send a dollar to the government on top of the 11, well, now I'm being paying $12 an hour. But what if the guy's not worth $12 an hour? He's only worth $11 an hour, right? Well, what I do is I got to tell my employee, hey, you know, I used to pay you $11 an hour, but now the government wants me to send them $1 an hour out of your pay. So I got to reduce your pay to $10 an hour so that I have the extra dollar to pay the government. And that's what's going to happen because the labor costs stay the same. As an employer, economically, it makes no difference how you divvy up the paycheck. Right. Some money goes to the government. Some money goes to the worker. The bottom line of the employer is the total labor cost. And if I got a worker and I've determined that the most I'm willing to pay is eleven dollars 
And my worker, of course, has shopped around for the best job. And the highest value he can find is the $11 I'm paying, because obviously, if my employee could get $12 an hour, he'd quit working for me and go someplace else. So he's found the best job he could find, and it's $11 an hour. And all of a sudden, the government requires me to send $11 of his money to Hartford. Well, I got to reduce my in my employee's wages to $10 an hour. That is what is going to happen. See, in the minimum wage law, when they raise the minimum wage, you can't cut the worker's pay. All you can do is cut the worker completely, cut his pay to zero. You fire him. But when I'm paying a guy $11 an hour, I don't have to fire the guy. I just reduce his pay to $11 an hour. Now, you might say, well, he'll just go get a job someplace else. No, he can't, because all employers in the state of Connecticut have the same $1 an hour to pay. So the supply and demand dynamic hasn't changed. This guy used to have $11 an hour worth of productivity to sell. Now he only has $10 of productivity because the other dollar has to be diverted to the government. So this particular worker is permanently disadvantaged because employers have to pay a dollar an hour if they hire him. Now, he doesn't have $15 an hour worth of productivity. See, the penalty doesn't apply to higher valued workers. It only applies to people whose productivity is worth somewhere between the minimum wage and $15 an hour. And in effect, it's like an income tax. And in fact, if a guy is making $11 an hour, and um, the employer's got to pay a dollar of that to the government, effectively reducing his wages to $10 an hour, that's like a 10% income tax. I mean, the, the income tax in the state of Connecticut, the top rate is six and three quarters. This guy's going to pay 10%. The guy making $11 an hour is going to effectively pay a 10% state income tax on top of that income tax and on top of his payroll tax. So the reality of this new law in Connecticut championed as, as for the little guy, right, to try to force companies to pay the little guy more, it's actually going to force companies to pay the little guy less. And now the working poor in the state of Connecticut are going to pay a higher marginal state income tax than the richest hedge fund managers in this state. That is the irony of this situation. And that is why I always say, don't believe I am from the government. I'm here to help you because basically the Democrats are knifing their core constituents right in the back because they are passing a tax that only affects them. You know, higher income people, higher earners, people that are earning 20, 25, 30, $100 an hour, there's no tax on hiring them. But if you want to tax somebody who's only able to deliver $12 an hour worth of value, there is a tax. This is, this is probably one of the most horrible taxes ever devised. And I wonder if people in Connecticut, the Democrats' constituents, will be able to figure this out. That, you know, that their own guys, the Democrats in the state house, are, are, are turning up the screws on them. They're not going after the millionaires and the billionaires. They're going after the working poor. Now, you know, what about the people who are making over $15 an hour? What, what happens to them? Well, as I said, it doesn't directly affect them, although they might actually end up getting a raise. Maybe, right? Because why? Well, let's say you have to eliminate all some of your lower skilled workers, right? Let's say an employer decides that, well, I don't want to pay a 10-15 minimum wage, which consists of 9-15 to the worker, $1 to the government. I'm just going to lay off uh, that person or a couple of people. The employer may rely on his higher paid workers to pick up the slack 
for the diminished wage uh, labor force. And so he might end up giving uh, some of those employers a raise because now they've got new work to do because he had to lay off some of the uh, lower skilled workers. So it actually could benefit some of the higher paid workers, although they still end up suffering because the cost of living in the state will go up. Uh, goods and services will be a little bit more expensive, so everybody you know loses in that respect. And there could be some people that make between fourteen and fifteen dollars an hour. They may end up getting a raise because you never once you earn above fifteen fourteen dollars an hour, the penalty is less than the raise. But again, the worker can't force the employer to pay more than their productivity when you're talking about wages that are well above the minimum wage. But you don't know. There might be some negotiation. Maybe a guy that's making fourteen seventy-five an hour, maybe the maybe he will get a raise up to $15, although maybe he would have got that raise anyway. He might just get it sooner rather than later. And, of course, a lot of this is going to slow down wage, ink wage raise, right? What, what if somebody was going to get a raise? by a dollar an hour. What if I was going to give my employee who was getting $13 an hour, what if I was going to give him a wait raise to $14 an hour? Well, now I, he doesn't get the raise because I'm giving his raise to the government. So his pay stays the same. He doesn't realize that his raise was stolen from him and sent to Hartford, right? Or maybe I do give somebody an increase from 14 to 15, but they were going to get that increase anyway. You know, maybe they'll thank the government for that, but it's not the government that gave them the raise. The employer gave the raise. This the government is taking credit for it. But again, this has got to be the stupidest law. Now, of course, why don't they just come out and increase the minimum wage by a dollar? Right? If they really want to mandate uh, a 10, 15 minimum wage, why don't they do that? Because that's not what they want to do. They want to raise taxes. That's the goal of this law, because that's the only effect. Nobody gets a raise because of this law. Even though it does cost more to hire people, none of that benefits the workers. All of it goes directly to the government. So it is nothing but a tax increase and extremely regressive. Not that I even like that progressive regressive, but the way the Democrat would define it, a very regressive tax because it only affects the working poor and nobody else. Right. And it is a it is a it is a power grab or a money grab from Hartford uh, where they're trying to grab this pot of money, but they're trying to disguise it. They're trying to create a smokescreen and package it in a way that it's acceptable to the voters. And this is fraud. I mean, if anybody in the private sector tried to do this, you know, in their marketing, they'd be locked up and thrown in jail. This is pure outright fraud to try to pass a tax increase wrapped up in the trappings of a wage bill meant to, you know, increase wages, like a minimum wage bill. And even these Democrats who were sponsoring and say, well, this isn't a tax increase. Well, what is it then? No one's going to get higher wages. It is the worst possible tax increase because it only affects uh, poorer people who decide to work. If you don't work, you don't pay the tax. Only if you work. It's like we already have the payroll tax and the federal income tax and the state income tax. Now we have another income tax that only applies to people who are minimum wage to $15 an hour. Again, got to be the worst possible law. And who is proposing it? Who wants to tax the working poor? The Democrats that control both houses of Congress here in Connecticut and the governor's mansion. The Democrats have all of our congressional delegation, all five members of the House of uh, representative, both of our senators, 
are Democrats. And this is what the Democrats are doing. Because when you get complacent, when you have this kind of control of a state, you can show this much contempt for the very people who keep you in power. And again, this is the state of Connecticut that denied me uh, a Senate seat. Although we can't blame this on the state. I mean, because the Republican Party uh, wouldn't even vote for me, right? They voted for Linda McMahon. But you can see how difficult it is for a Republican to get elected in this state when the Democrats can be so vicious and so bad and horrible to their own constituents, yet still get their vote. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They are all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold video cast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold video cast at goldvideocast.com. That's goldvideocast.com.